Everybody Googles everything, especially potential customers or employers, and a business or personal online reputation can make or break you. If negative search results or reviews are impacting you, Webamax is here to help. Our proven process restores your online reputation quickly and effectively, and it matters. Don't let negative results control your narrative. Visit GoWebamax.com and fill out a brief confidential form to see how we can help. Remember, if you aren't paying attention to your online reputation, someone else is. GoWebamax.com. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad... To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Welcome to episode 107 of the Red Seat Podcast. This is your host, Jake Devereaux, and today I'm joined by Matt Collins, the managing editor over at Over the Monster. Matt, welcome back to the show. We're going to talk some spring training. We finally have uh, a bunch of games under the belt to talk about now. Yeah, we got spring training, I don't know, halfway through, and hopefully I just had my last snowstorm of the year. I'm going to Arizona in 13 days, so things are looking up. That's awesome. Arizona's going to be cool. It's like kind of the hub of baseball now. I'm going the Red Sox. They're playing on my birthday. So I will be there That's on my amazing. birthday. Watch the last spring training game. Yeah, I've, they never are out there. It's pretty, pretty wild coincidence. Yeah, that's super cool. Every time I um, listen to any like uh, prospect podcasts or anything like that, I'm always envious of people that live in Arizona because you know the spring training facilities are all pretty much within 30 minutes of each other over there, and then. Um, the Arizona Fall League is right there. It just seems like even even in the off season, there's like high school and college showcases going on. It's like constant baseball. It's pretty much like the best place to be if you're a baseball junkie. Oh yeah, I feel like baseball and golf is pretty much no better place in the world. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty nice. Um, so the first bit of news that we have to talk about today is. Uh, a little bit about the bullpen. We have um, uh, Stephen Wright, who has been suspended 80 games for uh, testing positive for a human growth hormone. 
uh, presumably to do with the uh, knee that he's been dealing with. He had cartilage restoration surgery uh, in that knee last year. Um, Stephen Wright, for those of you who uh, forgot what he did last year because he wasn't up for that much time, had a 152 ERA over 29.2 innings pitched last year, so he was pretty effective when he was up. Um, I guess the knee was kind of holding him back to the point where he wasn't ever going to be a starter again, presumably. He was probably going to be out of the pen, but still, this kind of further complement, com, ah, further uh, complicates, I should say. Uh, yeah, easy for me to say. Uh, the bullpen and uh, kind of screws things up even more. So, Matt, how do you think this uh, this affects everything going forward? Uh, so I my sense was the Red Sox really are high on Stephen Wright as a pitcher, at least, um, because I mean everything they said kind of indicated to me that he was going to be the third guy out of that bullpen after Barnes and Brazier. And so without him, I mean, that leaves, assuming the young guys aren't coming up right away, which I don't think is going to happen. We'll probably get to that later. But, um, I mean, that leaves Hembry, Workman, Thornburg as like one of the guys you need to step up to get to one of those last three spots in the bullpen. And, I don't know about you. I do not have any confidence in those guys. Um, so it sucks that I, I, to be fair, I don't think Stephen Wright would have been very good in that role anyways, but um, it just sucks that the Red Sox didn't find out until like a week or two ago, because as much as they've put off spending money this off season on the bullpen, um, I think if they knew that Wright, was going to be out for 80 games and not be eligible for the playoffs. Uh, they would have signed like a Sergio Romo or Brad Brock, one of those guys that costs like $2 million. So um, this kind of threw a wrench into their plans, I would think. Yeah, they're going to save uh, half of his salary, about 560 k or so, uh, while he's out because he's not going to be getting paid during that time period. Um, but you're right, it makes things really um, concerning because – um, Thornburg, uh, Workman, Johnson, and Colton Brewer, uh, and Hector Velasquez, really, you want to throw him into the mix, have not looked good this spring at all. Um, I don't know. I don't know if I agree with Brewer. Well, He's had some good showings. So I think the stuff has been there for Brewer. Um, and I think Leon said that, too, because Leon's caught him a couple times. But the results, I guess, for all these guys haven't been that good he's got like a seven era or something like that on the spring so yeah i don't know i don't know if i really i mean that's from two outings he's got three of his five outings are scoreless um i don't know i'm not super worried about brewer as much as the other guys i am a little more worried about especially thornberg well you know the interesting thing about thornberg is that Reports are that the velocity has actually been up. It's been like 94, 96. But the thing that hasn't been there is feel for any of his three pitches. Yeah, I guess there's some confirmation bias in here for me because um, I have never really been expecting anything from Thorberg, and I kind of expected him to be off the roster by like the middle of the season. So I guess I look at these bad results even though I know in my head that nothing in spring training really matters all that much. 
it's just confirming what I already believe. So um, it's probably not the smartest way to go about it, but it is human nature, I guess. Yeah, no, I'm kind of with you there. Um, you know, if you're going to see things that already m mesh with what you kind of believe already, it's hard to overlook those things. Um, but I think when we want to talk about locks for the bullpen, you're right about Barnes and Brazier. Hembry seems like a lock. Johnson's probably a lock because of him being out of options. But then out of this group, um, it seems like you're a big believer in Brewer. So it seems, and I, I am too. I think the stuff is there for him. So I think he'll be there. But out of the, the rest of these guys, who do you think is going to be there? All right, let me do some quick math. All right, so you have Barnes, Brazier, I agree with Johnson. They're going with a six-man rotation to start the year, mm -hmm. so presumably Johnson's going to be that six-starter. Okay. Um, Hembury, so that's four. They need three more. I think Thornburg and Workman are essentially locks. Um, the Red Sox have been long been um, kind of famous for hoarding depth at the start of a year, mm -hmm. so... If some of the guys have options, other ones don't. They're going to keep the guy without options on the roster to start the year. So I'd assume those two make it. That leaves one more spot. I said Brewer uh, before the spring started. I don't know that he's played so well that or he's pitched so well that he has to make it. But I also don't think anybody else has pitched so well that they're going to take that spot from him. So I kind of feel like it's between him and Velasquez. I guess I wouldn't be surprised if they kept Velasquez just to give another kind of multi-inning arm, especially early in the season. I'm sure they're going to kind of limit the starters a little bit. Um, so I would probably go Brewer. I guess I kind of think they'll go Velasquez, although he got shelled today, so that probably didn't help him. That last spot's going to be interesting. I'd be surprised if they went uh, Velasquez over Brewer just simply because I think Brewer gives them a different look. He's just a completely different type of pitcher than Velasquez and I think that what you get out of Velasquez is more similar to what you get out of Johnson you know Brewer kind of gives you a little bit of power over there yeah but Johnson's not going to be in the bullpen for at least the first seven eight games or whatever so you think they'll just like the flexibility of Vasquez to stretch out over multiple innings yeah, I think so. Plus, I mean, he spent all year in the majors last year, yeah. and I know like that shouldn't mean anything, but it, it does. I mean, it's tough to demote a guy after that. Yeah, yeah, I could see it. There's a good argument for that, for sure. Um, how about at the back end of the bullpen? It seems like it's between Barnes and Brazier for the closer situation, but Brazier's been out dealing with this toe infection for pretty much the entirety of spring. It's it's Barnes', Barnes job, right? The only way Barnes isn't the closer is if they don't name a closer, which they had been saying all winter that they were going to name a closer. Uh, but the last week or so, it kind of seems like they are entertaining the idea of going more matchup-based. Um, but I think whether he's the capital C closer or not, I think Barnes will get the majority of the save chances and be like the primary guy in the bullpen. Yeah, he better be. I've been drafting him in all my fantasy teams. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it's going to be interesting to monitor. I wonder if at this point it is too late, though, to bring anybody else in. I can't even think of anybody who's still on the market that would really be an impact guy for them at this point, and that would be 
affordable That's enough to kind of fit under their plans, you know? Other I was going to say, Craig Kimberl is still available. Uh, Tony Sip is okay. I don't know if he's really a late-inning guy. Um, off the top of my head, he's the only guy I can think of that's still up there. Uh, like I said, that right not uh, telling him that he failed the test, it, I don't blame him for that. He shouldn't have told them. It was, he was well within his rights. He would have screwed himself if he told them. But uh, him not telling them kind of messed up their plans a little bit. Yeah, it sure did. Um, but we'll just uh, we'll have to see what happens with this whole thing. It seems like a trade is inevitable at some point this season for uh, bullpen help. But yeah. let's, let's... that's what's so frustrating. Is, I mean, we've known that a trade is gonna, a midseason trade is going to happen, and it's like. If you know that's going to happen, just do it in the winter. I agree. Yeah. I don't understand why you'd rather play the first, I don't know, 60 to 80 games or whatever without that extra piece there if you're going to do it anyway. I think they just like these guys a lot more than we do. Yeah. Uh, a few of the other options, though, that you know could potentially come up that are still on the 40-man uh, Bobby Pointer has looked okay this spring. He could be up. Marcus Walden's looked pretty good. Uh, Josh Taylor uh, has looked okay. Travis Lakins has looked okay. Um, those are some dudes. And then deeper, um, you know, it's still a possibility. We always talk about him. Durbin Feltman down at Double A. He's probably gonna, you know, uh, start the year at Double A. But he could be a guy who could make that jump straight from Double A to. Uh, the major league bullpen, if they did decide to move him to the uh, the forty man roster. Yeah, I mean they have two open spots, so some of these guys that aren't on the forty man can get called up quickly without having to worry about anything. I don't think it's going to be Feltman. I don't think it's going to be anybody, but if it was going to be anybody, it would be uh, Darwinson Hernandez because he's been balling out this spring. But I don't think they're going to move him that aggressively. Yeah, let's move over to that because um, Darwinson was under my category of good spring training performances, and he's really been the standout pitcher for the Red Sox so far this spring. He's pitched seven innings so far. Uh, he's given up zero runs, 10 strikeouts, just four walks over three games. Um, so Darwinson has been working mostly as a starter, uh, and it does seem like the Red Sox are going to continue to try him as a starter this year. Um what makes you think that he could be the guy that they call up in the bullpen over a guy like Feltman? Is it just purely stuff, or is it because you don't believe that he's a starter long-term? Uh, both. I don't think they believe it either. Um, Alex Cora said that Hernandez is going to make an impact this year. Um, he said it's going to be after opening day, but before September, which leads me to believe I think he's going to be pitching out of relief by mid-May. And I wouldn't be surprised if he's in the majors by the end of June. Hmm. Um, I think I think he's that good. I mean, the control is an issue. He had some issues in his last out, and he had a couple walks. Uh, I think he hit a couple batters. Um, but, man, it, he hasn't allowed a ball in the air out of the infield yet this spring. I mean, that's insane. He's, he's very fun. And uh, I don't want to act like he's going to be dominant right away. I don't think he's going to be their closer right away or anything like that, but I think if they have a chance at impact, 
who's from somebody who's not going to be in the opening day roster, I would put all of my money on Hernandez being that guy. Yeah, in terms of stuff, uh, he's far and away the best of all the arms down at the minor leagues. And even a few of the Red Sox players have said it. I think Sale was quoted as saying how filthy he looked as well. Um, and my father-in-law texted me after watching a, uh, a Red Sox spring training game and was like, this dude, Darwinson Hernandez, is ridiculous. Um, <laughs> so, like, that's he's just he's turning the heads of casual fans. You know, it's easy to see when you turn on the TV and watch Darwinson just why he is so special. Yeah, I mean, if there's one thing, you don't need to know a lot about baseball to know a good pitcher when you see one. And, I mean, that's he's that kind of pitcher. He's eye-opening stuff. Yeah, that's for sure. Um, let's get to some of the uh, players on the hitter side, though, because there have been a lot of good performances on the hitting side. Um, Michael Chavis has four home runs this spring. He's slashing 273-333 with an 818 slugging. Uh, Devers has been killing it this spring, 478, 478, 783. Suwei Lin's been killing it. Uh, he's batting 375. JBJ is batting 353. Um, Brents has an 824 slugging percentage. Um, and Nooney is batting 375 this spring. Bunch of these guys are killing it here. Um, do any of these performances here um, change anything for their outlook for this upcoming year for you? Not really. Um, I mean, Bradley, I'm excited. I'm trying not to get super excited about that just because, I don't know, we've seen Bradley be hot before. I know he has a new swing. That's why I don't think it's illegitimate for anybody to get excited. I wouldn't want to tell anybody not to get excited. That's what spring is for. I'm kind of trying to temper my expectations. I think Lynn's been the guy who stood out the most to me. Um, that dude is just raking. Um, I had a customer. I work, people that don't know, I work in retail. Um, so I have some customers that come in and talk baseball with me a little bit. And I had a customer. This is a little racist. But he uh, he said he looked like, uh, or he played like Ichiro. And he said, basically said that he was as good as Ichiro. So <laughs> if you're wondering how well Lynn is playing, he's being compared to perhaps the greatest hitter of all time. <laughs> yeah, no big deal. Yeah, but, I mean, he's obviously not Ichiro, but he is. I like Lynn a lot. Um, he doesn't really have a role right now, but if somebody gets hurt, Lynn's going to be – he's going to be a big part of the team this year because he's the first guy to come up if anybody gets hurt on the position player side. Yeah, you know, I think I like him better than uh, Nunez already. Yeah, I love Nunez. Um, for me, Nunez, it's all about if they can just keep him out of second base. Mm-hmm. If he can just play third – and kind of play a couple times a week and be the guy who keeps the clubhouse loose. Um, I think that's a more valuable piece than he gets credit for. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, the clubhouse thing has been his bread and butter since he's been here. He's been just such a good glue piece in that clubhouse. And, you know, you're right. When he's at third, it's not it's not egregious defense as long as you can just keep him there. The thing is, I think he just has a little bit less – defensive flexibility because with Zue Lin you can play him all around the infield and feel good about wherever he is yeah he plays some center field too I agree with you I just it's like what we were talking about with the pitchers I mean you want to keep as much stuff as possible you can't send Nunez down to the minors so if you're keeping Lin that means you're getting rid of Nunez and if somebody gets hurt you're looking at like Chad De La Guerra coming up or something so <laughs> Tony Renda <laughs> yeah 
yeah. forgot he was still on the team. It's not pretty. Um, Bryce Brents. This is kind of funny to me. Bryce Brents got you know bounced off the team last year, kind of floated around. I think he was on two different clubs at different points last year, and somehow he ended up back with the Red Sox again. He's killing it this spring. It just seems like this guy is destined to murder the minors in spring training and then just never play in the pros. Yeah, I, I really hope he gets his chance at some point. Kind of don't want it to be this year because – it happens with the Red Sox this year. That means something went horribly wrong. But um, I mean, he's—I've always liked him. He's hard not to root for him. Except the one thing I don't like about Bryce Prince is he—he uh, uh, he, like accidentally shot himself or something. And so, if you ever mention him at OTM, every single comment is going to be some awful pun about guns. And so, <laughs> I, I don't really like puns. So I kind of hold that against him a little bit, but other than that, he's he's ruined your ability to read the comments section. Yes, yes, <laughs> pretty much. All right, so the the guy who we've kind of, we've kind of buried the lead here a little bit, but I think the guy we have to talk about is Michael Chavis, who is just a standout so far at spring training. He's played all over the diamond. He's played first, second, and third. Um, it seems like he's going to get some playing time this year. I mean, I, I really feel like this is finally the year, um, especially with the fact that Pedroia is still easing into things. He played in one game. Um, did you see him in that game, by the way? Pedroia? Yeah. He's played in two. Two games, yeah, two games. Um, I saw him in the first one. I did not see. I The second one, I watched the replay, but I wasn't really paying attention. Did you see the uh, the modified pre, pre, uh, pre-hit jump? Uh, no, I saw people talking about it, and I meant to look at it, and then I just didn't. It's just a much smaller hop than than we're used to from him. But the thing is, durability-wise, I think we're all very concerned about him, and, you know, we're not really sure what we're going to get out of Pedroia uh, power-wise either. I mean, I think everybody knows Pedroia can make um, contact with the ball, but at this point in his career, he might be a slap hitter, and he might be a guy who just doesn't, doesn't play that many games. So uh, if Chavis can prove flexible and play at second, that could be a real game changer for this team. Yeah, I don't see it. Um, I love Chavis, the hitter. I I don't know. I'm one of, if not the highest guy on his bat. I absolutely love watching him hit. I do not think he can play second base. Um, the Red Sox said they were going to keep him and Dahlbeck limited to first and third for the rest of the spring, but then Chavis played second literally like three hours after they said that. <laughs> so I don't really know what they're doing there. Um, I just, I don't know. I mean, I, you see it with the Brewers. If you really trust your positioning and your shifting, you can get away with somebody with Chavis, like Chavis at second, but I, I just don't see it. Um, I think he's a corner guy. I'm, Still really surprised that they've never given him any time in left field. I feel like that's kind of an easy way to get him some extra versatility, and it's more likely to stick than second base. But uh, I agree with you. He's gonna. I think he'll be up at some point this year. I just don't think it will be good if he's playing second base on a regular basis. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right about that. I mean, especially with Pedroia being one of the all-time greats at that position, you want him in there defensively. 
as much as possible. And if he's not in there, you want somebody who's more capable than Chavis would be. But, you know, that well, being Holt said, too, that's right. Yeah. And Holt's Holt's not bad at second either. So he's fine. Um, but they could go with that beer league softball lineup like the uh, like the Milwaukee Brewers do. That's a good point. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's what I was. I mean, I would have never, I would have never guessed that Travis Shaw would have been able to play second. And he looked just fine. And now they're trying Mike Moustakis over there. So, you know, what the hell do I know? Yeah, I don't know. It's uh, it's certainly interesting that they are experimenting with this, and it seems like they're kind of um, trying to give themselves as many options as possible to work that bat into the lineup if they have to, because. Uh, there's that old adage, right, that the bat will find a way into the lineup as long as the bat's good enough. So it certainly seems like the bat's good enough with Chavis. And any worries that people had that, you know, any of the PED stuff would affect his value, I think uh, those those worries were, were pretty unfounded. There's plenty of thunder still left in that bat. Yeah, yeah he, the dude can hit. It's just a matter of finding a spot for him. Absolutely. Um, last week on the podcast, we talked a lot about, uh, well, not last week, but last time we had the podcast, we uh, talked about Xander Bogart's contract being up. We talked about sales contract being up after this year. Um, but one guy we didn't talk about was Rick Porcello. And I had this like revelation uh, the last like three days. I think it was like two nights ago. I just realized how much I like Rick Porcello. Like, I was just thinking about the Red Sox season and kind of thinking about starts that I had seen last year and some of my favorite things about the year. And a bunch of my favorite things were Rick Porcello starts. And I know I've talked about it a lot that I I think it's one of the most entertaining styles of pitching uh, when Rick is on because he's just such a good control guy and puts every pitch exactly where he wants it to. But I think he's tremendously important to the team as well. So I looked up some numbers because I wanted to see, you know, kind of just where he's fit into the Red Sox since he's been here over the last four years and where he fits in baseball. And he's fifth in baseball um, with 789.2 innings pitched and 120 games started over his four years with the team. And he's got a 16.4% K minus walk rate, which is 32nd best in baseball. And um, my thing is, I think that the team needs to re-sign this guy when he's up because those innings are just so valuable to the rest of the team, to the rest of the bullpen. There just aren't very many players in baseball that can give you 200 innings every single year the way that Rick Porcello can and give you quality innings too. I mean, he's not the best pitcher in the world. But he goes out there and he's going to give you a good in a good outing more often than he's going to give you a bad outing. Uh, and the sum of the parts there, uh, I think, is is certainly better than it looks on the surface, uh, for sure. So I don't know. I think I think this is a skill set that can really age well too, because he's not a power pitcher. He does rely on a lot of control and moving the ball around the zone and uh, you know using different pitches. So I don't know. I wanted to get your take on Porcello, and I think he's a guy who could be had for a lot more of a reasonable cost than some of the other guys we've been talking about. I uh, don't think I agree. (laughs) Um, I like Porcello fine. He's average, and 
the innings and the durability is nice. I am not nearly as confident as you about how he's going to age. Um, I think if this was Rick Porcello of the Tigers, I would be a little more confident in how he's going to age because that guy was down in the zone and getting grounders. This Porcello is up in the zone, and he's already got home run problems. He loses a little bit of his stuff and a little bit of his command with age. I can see that going downhill extremely quickly. Um, I'm not against the idea of resigning him. I think what you said about the innings is true, although I don't think I'm as high on it as you. Um, I just, if we are living in this reality where the Red Sox have the budget that they're going to have, um, even if they shouldn't, I will argue to the end of the earth that they will their budget will be smaller than it should be. Um, I think the priorities have to be that's Bogart, Sale, Martinez. And then if you still have money for Porcello, great. But um, you got to lock up the stars first. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I definitely see that argument. And I'm with you that it has to be Betts, Bogarts, Sale above him. But after that, I mean, yeah, and I guess JD too. It does make sense for JD. I always forget that he's going to be up too because he has that opt out. Um, but man, I just think that like the thing is you could end up paying more money. Well, you are going to end up paying more money if you do sign Chris Sale. But there's a good chance that over the next like four years you get much more baseball out of Rick Porcello than you get out of Chris Sale. And obviously it's not going to be close performance-wise, right? Like that Cy Young year from Rick Porcello isn't coming back. That that was kind of a fluky thing as it was. But I just wonder if you're going to tie up all that money into Chris Sale and then that goes back to the risk we talked about on the last podcast that we had. Uh, I wonder if, you know, it's not the right decision to let the ace walk and re-sign the guy for cheaper and that gives you money to lock up both bets and bogarts you know if you if they're if they are going to adhere to some lower budget which we both think they are going to do yeah i i feel like i mean yeah i guess i would prioritize bets and bogarts over sale i'm with you on that um i feel like they should be able to afford the stars i think it's the next tier down the guys like Porcello that they're going to let walk. Um, but yeah, I mean, I agree with you. If it's between like, if they can do bets, Bogarts and Porcello and not sale, or they can do like only bets and sale, I would go with the first option. Mm-hmm. Um, I just don't know that that's the reality. It might be, I don't know. Yeah. It's interesting. I just think, uh, you know, go out there and watch Porcello this year and, appreciate him because when he has good starts it's really entertaining and uh you know i know a lot of his starts are average but um when he's on he's in he's an artist out there i love him i don't know why he's just my dude <laughs> you like him more than me i'll say that <laughs> yeah um couple fun facts i ran across uh boston.com article it was from the red sox media guide for 2019 i wanted to share these with all the listeners uh, it turns out that Jackie Bradley Jr. is a distant relative of NBA legend Michael Jordan. Jordan's grandfather and Bradley's great-grandmother are apparently siblings. So that is 
Really, really interesting. Great, great Crazy that there. Jackie Bradley is uh, related to the second best basketball player of all time. Whoa. <laughs> uh, don't don't at me on that one. At Matt. <laughs> Matt R.Y. Collins is the Twitter handle right there if you want to uh, get at him for that. Indeed. Isaiah Thomas is obviously number one. Celtics Isaiah Thomas. Oh, jeez. Okay. <laughs> Uh, the other fun fact was Mookie is the only player in American League history to win the Gold Glove, the MVP, and Silver Slugger all in the same year. So that just uh, proves how ridiculous uh, that season was just once and again. And it is the second best season by, I think, baseball uh, reference war in Red Sox history behind just that crazy Yaz season from 67. So... Uh, you remember ridiculous. You know what I was reminded of a couple of days ago? Mm-hmm. JD Martinez won two silver sluggers last year. Yes, there's pictures <laughs> to prove it. It's, it's like I can't believe I like kind of forgot about that. It's like the most ridiculous thing that's ever happened. It, <laughs> it is weird. No Has that ever happened before? Oh, that was the first time. Did you see that picture? Yeah. That they tweeted out with him holding both of them. Yeah. <laughs> so ridiculous. Was that a mistake, do you think, or like, was no, that supposed to No, he got the votes. He got the votes. Wow, that's crazy. <laughs> yeah. So he won um, one for DH and one for left field, right? Uh, I don't know. I can't remember if they do just three outfield spots or if they do left, right, center. But he got one for the outfield. Wild, absolutely wild. <laughs> I just remember um, I you and Brian ask. like talking about whether or not he was going to get enough time to qualify, and he played a shitload of outfield. Yeah, he played a little. I mean, he definitely didn't play enough to deserve a silver slugger there, but he did play more than I thought he would. Well, let's not take the man's hardware from him, Matt. Let's. Hey, I. this is fantastic. <laughs> um, I was going to ask, did you see uh, Mookie on ESPN during the game, the mic'd up thing? Yes, I saw his uh, his bowling uh, in the outfield, and I saw uh, Jackie doing um, what the hell was it? That he was doing his tennis serve. Did you see oh, that? that hole in it? Was so good. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I actually I was home that day. I got to see that live. Um, they asked him about Mookie had a baby a few months ago. Um, they asked him about changing di- diapers, and he. Just paused, and all he could say was that uh, his daughter is nasty. So, <laughs> Mookie is a national treasure. He really is. I liked how they were just so anxious to get out of that spring training game, too. Oh, he Mookie wanted no part of that game. No, none of them do. None of them. No. Uh, they they know the grind of 162 plus the playoffs. They're ready to get the get the hell out of there those games and go hit the golf course or whatever. Yeah. yeah. That's cool. Yeah, those guys are great. That outfield is just so special. And um, I was listening to one of the spring training games on the radio, um, and Castiglione is just like still like <laughs> completely uh, blown away by the outfield as it is right now. And he's constantly citing it as the best outfield uh, that he's ever seen the Red Sox have. And he's also saying that it could be the best outfield in baseball history. Uh, and he said that on more than one occasion, uh, which – is interesting because he's not usually the most hyperbolic guy. Yeah, um, surprised you say that. Yeah, and it got me thinking. Like, it really is special, and they have that goal of all winning the Gold Glove in the same year. Um, and it's not that unrealistic, really, when you think about it, because Benny's a pretty damn good left fielder too. 
Yeah, um, I don't think it's going to happen. Fenway kind of messes with uh, defensive numbers in left field, and uh, I forget the percentage, but that's part of the gold glove vote. So, I mean, I don't think it's totally impossible. I don't, I probably wouldn't bet on it. Um, somebody was talking, it might have been Holt, but uh, I think he said he predicted that all three would win the gold glove, Xander would win the gold glove, and uh, Pedroia would win the gold glove. So, he basically thinks the entire team is going to win the gold glove. Interestingly enough, on that, uh, that list of 25 facts from the media guide, Xander Bogarts is the all-time leader at shortstop with minimum 400 games played in fielding percentage. For the Red Sox? Yeah. Okay. I thought you were going to say all-time. I no, mean, that's I don't know. It's just kind of surprising to me. Like, I just, I always think of Xander as kind of a, you know, run-of-the-mill shortstop. Not well, spectacular, he's, but he's solid. I don't really think his, his problem has never really been the routine plays. It's kind of the range. So... He doesn't get to play as that other guys would probably get errors on would yeah. be the issue. That's a good point. Very good point. Uh, let's get to some listener questions here. Uh, friend of the podcast, uh, Shelly Rostrick. I'm sorry, Shelly. I really need to learn how to pronounce your last name. That's not being a very good friend of yours. No. Well, she's. we actually play in a league together, a couple leagues together. So shout out to Shelly. She's awesome. You should follow her too. Uh, she covers Nationals prospects, so check check out her stuff. Uh, she asks us, how will Chavis con- contribute this year on the field or in a trade? Uh, Matt, I think we're both on board that he's going to get some significant time with the team at some point this season. I really can't see him getting traded this year. I don't really think that's going to happen. Yeah, I don't think he's going to get traded. Um, I don't think he's going to get significant time. I don't think he's going to be... A starter or anything that close to it unless there's injuries um but yeah i think he'll be in the majors and he will get a decent amount of time yeah like nunez last year something okay. like that kinsley okay as long as he's getting an impact uh, at some point as long as he's up with the team and we actually get to see him play a little bit i'll be happy with him the reason i don't think he's actually going to get traded though is because i don't think the team right now, at least looking at it right now, headed into the year, has a big enough gap on it where you would have to trade a guy like Chavis to fill that gap. I think if they need to trade for a reliever, it's not going to take a piece like Chavis to go out and get said reliever. Yeah, I think, um, I mean, this is this goes against everything uh, his reputation says about him, and I don't necessarily think it's going to be like a hard and fast rule, but I think Dombrowski wants to do everything he can to keep as many prospects around as possible. Um, I think he kind of sees this major league roster as more or less complete, and he's um, justifiably torn down the system the last few years. Obviously, I think it's been good. He's done what he's had to do, but I think right now he wants to build it up um, as much as he possibly can while the Red Sox are still as good as they are. Makes sense, and he's done a good job of that too. He's uh, he certainly made what was a despicable uh, farm system a much deeper and more respectable farm system over the last couple of years. It's... He doesn't get enough credit for always trading or almost always trading the right guys and keeping the right ones. I agree. He's outstanding at that. Even before he came to the Red Sox, he's always been great at that. Yeah, totally. I mean, you go back to the sale trade. 
uh, you know, Mancata instead of Benintendi. That's a that's a big one right there too. He had a million chances to trade uh, Devers too, and he always said no to that. So yeah, he he when he I think he I don't know I don't think Shavis is on that level for him or anything like that, but I think he likes Shavis and when he likes a guy, it's hard to get him away. The guy I could see getting moved this year though is Dahlbeck. I'd agree with that. Uh, next question comes from Ben Jacobson. He says, all right, so this, the bullpen looks bad in spring training, playing against subpar talent. Is there any way they could still sign somebody or has that ship sailed? Now, this could be very, very bad, very fast. Uh, we talked about that a little bit already. Um, probably not going to be a major signing. But, Matt, you mentioned a couple of these, you know, maybe Tony Sip type guys that could be available. Um, and I think that would make a big difference if you could sign one of those pieces. Yeah, I brought up the list. Um, it's not great. Obviously, Kimbrell is great, but assuming that's not going to happen. Uh, Sip, I've always liked Boone Logan. I think he kind of sucks now. I always liked him, though, so I'm always going to think he's good. You like uh, Indians Boone Logan, though. Yeah. Mariners yeah. Boone Logan. I like I liked Boone Logan like five years ago, and then I kind of decided I was never going to look at his numbers again. I'm just <laughs> think that he's all that guy. Um, a lot of people have kind of uh, said they want Ryan Madsen. I don't really want any part of Ryan Madsen, but he's out there. Uh, Blake Wood, A.J. Ramos are guys that have been good in the past. Kurchatzer, Jim Johnson. I mean, these names are not that good, so... Out of all those names, Jim Johnson is the one that I'm like most interested in, just because he can generate ground balls. Yeah, I'm not really. I don't really think any of them move the needle. And at this point, you sign these guys, they're not going to be ready until like May, and then I don't know. The only guy I would want is Kimbrell. I know it's not going to happen. You know who I want? Feltman. Bring him up. <laughs> Let's see it. He'll be up this year, just not right away. Next question comes from Chase Statton. He says, uh, what do you think their plans are with Devers, Dahlbeck, and Chavis all at third base? Uh, are they planning on not being able to keep Devers with the team in the somewhat near future? Um, no, Devers is the dude. Devers is the dude at third until he you know, proves that he cannot play third base, and I don't think we're even close to that point. He's still – I think he can be a average to – I don't know, dare I say slightly above average defender if he gets his footwork right. Um, would you agree with that, Matt? I think Devers can be fine at third base. Um, as far as this question goes, I wrote about this a week or so ago, um, and it's it's way too early to be talking about this. Um, Chavis, as we talked about, doesn't really have a position. I don't think he's good enough to be a a full-time third baseman if he did come up with a full-time role i think he would play first with devers at third um dahlbeck has some major questions with the swing if he hits his ceiling which is not a high chance i want to stress that i'm not super high on dahlbeck as it is but even if you are you have to think about the chances of him hitting his ceiling it's not that high it's not that high for anybody at their ceiling but if he does he would move devers off third um He's definitely a better defensive player than Devers. Um, but that's really the only way I see it happening, and I don't see Dalbeck being that guy. And 
even if he is, there's a chance that he gets traded and it's not with the Red Sox anyways. So um, as exciting as it is with all these corner infield prospects, and they have them down lower too with uh, Tristan Casas, um, Brandon Howlett, Nicholas Northcott, Danny Diaz. They have a ton of these guys. Give it some time before we start talking about a log jam because a lot's going to happen between now and then, and it's probably not going to work out as we want it to. Yeah, and guys like Howlett are already starting to play outfield a little bit too. So I think that you know this this log jam is going to work itself out at the lower minors before it even becomes any sort of an issue at the upper minors or you know even the pros. Yeah, and I mean specifically with the three that he asked about, there's just too many questions with the two prospects that we start worrying about. Devers doesn't have to worry about anything except improving at third base. And keeping that childish smile. Yeah. <laughs> Lighting up every room he walks into. That's right. Um, David asks our next question. He says, uh, who is your choice to be traded from the three catchers? Um, Matt, are you still sticking with uh, Blake Swihart here? Yeah, I think so. I think it's still the best option for the team, and it's the best option for Swihart, too. Yep, I agree. Uh, Red Sox on breath says, how likely is it that Chris Sale doesn't start on opening day? Did I miss something here? I don't know. I haven't heard that he wasn't going to be ready for opening day. Yeah, I don't know what's going on there. Uh, he is starting tomorrow um, in a minor league game because the Red Sox have a day off. So I'm assuming he is starting. Um, but I have a hot take that I don't know that I believe and I think I might write this up at some point, but uh, I don't think he should start opening day. I think Nathan Avaldi or David Price should start opening day. As, uh, I kind of like agree a nod. With that. Yeah, I don't really know. I mean, there's a status thing there, and Sale is obviously the ace, and that stuff matters even if we don't think it should. But um, opening day just always seems like a big ceremony. Um, and that's, I think, Evaldi and Price should get that recognition. I think Price should start real opening day, and Evaldi should start the first game at Fenway. That would be fun. I love that. I love that idea. Both those guys were nothing short of heroic in the playoffs, and David Price does hold all the cards right now. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Uh, Dirty Water Rants has our next question. He says, do you see any intriguing bullpen options based on spring training performances yet? Uh, I think we're both on on uh, Darwinson. It's just Darwinson at this point who's really showed well in the spring. Yeah, pretty much. But we haven't – I mean, we saw Barnes for one game, and we haven't seen Brady yet, and those are obviously the two best guys. So I think anybody getting worried about the bullpen right now just needs to chill out a little bit. Yeah, especially when the uh, the Yankees' actual rotation is imploding by the day. Yes. <laughs> Things are not looking good over there. Um, Bo Sox, since 89, has two questions for us, the first of which is, who's the biggest sleeper possibility to surprise and make the opening day roster? And the second one is, uh, how much improvement can we reasonably expect from Devers defensively? Uh, Matt, which one of these do you want to tackle first? Uh, I'll do the Devers one because I don't have a good answer for the first one. Uh, Devers, I think, 
it's kind of about what level your expectations are at, I guess. I think Devers is going to be, I think you said it, I don't think he's going to be above average. I think you might have said that. Um, I think he can be about average. I think a lot of the issues we saw with him last year were uh, kind of young guy stuff. I'm sure I've talked about this before, but he kind of rushes throws. He doesn't always make the right decision as to kind of when to charge a ball, when to sit back on it. Um, those are things that you learn as you get more experience to get used to the speed of the major league game. So um, I think he will be fine. I don't think he's winning any gold gloves. I think there will be games where we are frustrated with his glove, but for the most part, he will not be as bad as we saw last year. And every once in a while, he's going to make a spectacular play with his arm, which is going to make you just happy that he's over there. Oh, absolutely. Um, in terms of surprise to make the opening day roster, I think I got to uh, throw some cold water on this. I just don't think that there's really any surprises that are going to come out of camp unless some crazy injury happens. Um, you know, there's just a, this roster is pretty well locked down. They're returning 23 out of the 25 guys that were on the roster last year when they won the World Series. So there's just not a whole lot of turnover going on. I, and I think, I mean, I think if one of those, I mean, they signed a million um, non-roster invitees this winter. And I think if one of them, like, stepped up with a huge spring, they would be on the roster um, because they have those two open 40-man spots. But none of those guys have really looked that great. Um I guess if you really want a surprise, I don't think it's going to happen. Uh, Mike Schwarren. Mm. about Mike Schwarren? He's been pretty all right if they want him as kind of that long guy instead of Hector Velasquez. But there's like a 2% chance of that happening. Throws a million sliders. Yes. Yeah. I like Schwarren, but He's good. He's nothing like super special. University of Maryland kid, right? Yes. Uh, Non-artist has our next question. He says, feelings on JBJ's start to spring training. think he's due for a breakout year. Who are you excited about in the bullpen? Um, I'm going to tackle this JBJ one. I was very much a non-believer in JBJ um, as late as, like, August of last year. I forgot about the Yeah, yeah you were. I was, I was very, like... You know, this guy's cold streaks, we just can't handle him anymore. But I am kind of eating my hat on this one. Um, I do think that he has learned how to do th- some things differently and rework his swing from working with J.D. Martinez. And the exit velo numbers, um, I kind of like was shitting on people for uh, bringing up those numbers earlier in the year. But he did actually sustain those um, throughout the entire second half and finished with pretty strong exit velocity. I think, if I remember correctly, it's something we're around 92 miles an hour, some of the highest in baseball. Um, so I actually am super confident that he's going to have the best year of his career this year. And uh, whoa, yeah, I really think he's okay. gonna he's gonna do that. What do you think? Uh, give me a WRC plus. 122. All right. 125. Um, Something like that. He was at 123 in 2015. That was a half season, though. Yes. I mean, I think I, I think 
you are expecting a little more than me. I was going to say like 110 to 115, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I guess I've just heard so many of these stories of like guys learning something new in spring that I'm a little bit jaded. Uh, but I mean, sometimes they are true and they do work out. So uh, definitely could be the case with Jackie Bradley. I just don't want to get too high on it. If he has a year like that, that is really going to start to complicate the free agency discussions. You know, with his contract uh, coming up in 2022. Yeah, I mean, I don't think it really... I mean, it obviously... no Nothing affects bets. Right. Maybe that affects Katie Martinez a little bit, but I don't know. I'm, I'm rooting for the dude. I, I He might be my favorite guy on the team, so I would love for him to break out that way. Yep, and uh, even if the breakout doesn't work, we're still going to get to see that hose from center field and, you know, ridiculous catches all year, so that's going to be awesome. Uh, JJ The Plane, I guess, uh, asks us, is our podcast available on Google Music or Apple Music? Yeah, we're available on iTunes, and we're available on Google Play, uh, and basically anywhere you get your podcasts except for Spotify, but uh, that might be changing soon, too, so... Um, yeah, check us out on all those places. That does uh, that does wrap up our podcast, Matt. What is that display name? JJ the Takeoff? What's going on there? I don't know. JJ, what's up with it? Tell me, please. It's like a plane and then like something from Windings shows up after that, like a box or something. I don't know. Weird, uh, weird format. Um, if you do enjoy the show... Go ahead and subscribe to us. You can do so on any of the platforms that I just mentioned. Um, give us a rate and review. We always appreciate those. Uh, and for those of you who already have, thank you so much for uh, giving us those. Um, you can follow us on Twitter as well. You can follow Matt on Twitter at Matt R.Y. Collins. You can follow me on Twitter at, at DevJig. And you can follow the Over the Monster account at, at Over the Monster. Uh, once we're in season, we will be with you weekly. Uh, and right now, until the, uh, the season starts up, uh, we're going to be with you one more time, and then we'll be weekly. So uh, things are getting close. Baseball's around the corner. So thank you for joining us today, and uh, we look forward to being with you again next time.